Alan Shearer. It's Shearer for you, Gunther. The way he brought that down was fabulous. Cantonar. Yes, hello and welcome to another edition of the Shooting Zars Euros podcast. The band is back together officially. Bryce Conway and Alex Grant were a trio again, Brycey. Grant is back from his Asian Champions League duty. And here we go. England have got, got a very important win this morning. And it's another episode of the Shooting Zars podcast. How are we going, boys? Well, mate. Well, mate. It's been uh, tiring watching all these games, but loving it. Loving it. Granty, you're back from Asian Champions League duty, as I mentioned. How are we getting on, especially after the big victory for England this morning? Oh, mate, absolutely buzzing about that win last night. Stayed up, watched it. Um, can I just ask how, how was it without me? Did you miss me? Um, we weren't, we, you know, we, we got through it quicker. Bryce, you know, it was just... Waxing lyrical. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it was it was a different feel, but you know, you clearly haven't listened to the episode. But it was it was. Uh... I haven't. No, not, not, not got around to it yet, mate. <laughs> That's all right. We're recording another one. But how how are you, mate? How how did the game go? The Asian, you're deep in the Asian Champions League at the minute. You obviously played an old friend of yours and Shane Lowry as well for Johor. Talk us through that. Yeah, I'll just be quick. Um, basically, yeah, we played Shane's team the other night. Um, got forty five minutes. Did well, job done. Four-one win. Won a penalty as well, so there you go. Lot of do you want a penalty? Did you? What were you doing so far out, mate? Was it in a corner? I've been playing left back. Okay. So... Love yeah. that for you, mate. Yeah, talk, talk, ah. us, talk us through the pet. Go on, give us a bit more on the game. Um. Oh, what was it? I overlapped. We had three penalties actually in the game. Sean Evans. Sean Evans from the A League ref us. Right. On. Um. Yeah, and had a good chat with him before the game. Um, and, yeah, he gave us three pens, which was nice of him. <laughs> do you, so, do you have a good rapport with, with, with the refs? I mean, like, is that the first um, time you, you've, yeah, you, is, is that the first time you've had an Aussie ref overseas? Well, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah I think it is, yeah. Um, yeah, I had a good chat with him. I just asked him how his hotel was and how long he's staying for and when he's going back and whatnot. And then, yeah, that just was him how to spell your name properly so you can get those, those man of the match votes as well, hey? That's right, yes. Yeah, G-R-A-N-T, thank you, yeah. But, the, um, yeah, jo- jo- we played Johor. Um, big club, massive club. Uh, I don't think I realised how big they were until I was getting messages on Instagram after from about 15... Johor fans saying that I'm a diver and all this and that. And <laughs> really? Yeah. <laughs> They're not wrong, are they? Commenting on my photos, saying I'm a diver, cheat. <laughs> but if you watch it back, there was contact. Matt Davies uh, swiped me out of the game pretty much. Matt Davies? Didn't know he was there. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. A few names popping yeah. up here. Oh, well. Perth on the world yeah. stage, love it. But all the, all the penalties were, were just and... Um, Sean made the right decisions. And yeah, we, we were probably the better team on the night and deserved the win. But we've got them again tomorrow night. Quick wow. turnaround. Double header. So that, yeah. How's the body feeling? Tough one. Yeah, pretty sore. Felt pretty shitty at training this afternoon, but uh, just got to get on with it, eh? In prison. In prison. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Anyway, let's crack on. 
All right, let's crack on. We we are pressed for time in this episode. I did uh I dozed off there for a little while, so we're starting late, but um <laughs> here we are. All right, Alex, we'll start with you, mate. The biggest story of them all. What a game this morning. KG first half, but two goals in the second half. Harry Boy got his goal. Uh, how did you see it all? Jack Grealish, the darling of England, as Bryce put it today. So how, how was how was the game for you? I'll stop you there, Stu, because since you last recorded the the previous episode, I reckon I've witnessed the best night's football I've ever watched in my entire life. Yeah. The previous night, the night before to England. Yep, fair the enough. Night. I think that that night tops tops last Anything. night. Yeah, no, no, it, you, you're spot on. Maybe I, I will wind it back a bit because Bryce, you and I, uh, we recorded on Monday night, was it? So we had wrapped up the round of sixteen matches uh, on the. Yeah, we covered this, Granty. You know, you have to have listened <laughs> to the episode, so. No, because yeah, but yeah. no, you were going into those games, yeah, yeah. and you we, haven't we, covered we, it. We hadn't covered it, Bryce, and we gave predictions actually on the games on the Monday night, Tuesday morning Australian time. So obviously, yeah, looking at those games, we had two last sixteen matches: Croatia three, Spain five, and then France three, Switzerland three, and Switzerland won five four on penalties. Yeah, an amazing game for amazing two amazing games of football goals galore. Um, yeah. Go on, Al. Tell, tell us about them. You reckon it's the best night of football you've seen in a long time? Yeah, because obviously we played the game and then we rolled in and um, I think I missed the first half of the Spain game but managed to catch the second and, oh, it was just crazy, mate. It was just so good. 3-1 down, 85 minutes gone, 3-all and then extra time and then obviously Spain delivered the hammer-blowing um extra time and probably it was deserved but it was just so good to watch you know a team come back like they did Croatia stuck in there you thought they were going to see out extra time and get to penalties but it wasn't to be some poor defending from the seven I can't remember what his name is but he was playing right back and he looks a bit out of sorts there and then rolling on from that we had the Switzerland game poor France. beating the French oh, oh man fantastic out. one of the favourites I know I did tip them, didn't I? But I think on the night, it was probably a fair result. I thought when Rodriguez missed the penalty to make it 2-0, I thought that was it. I thought France are going to get it back, get a goal back, which they did. And then they scored two more, 3-1 up. And then Chris... A bit for Mbappe, to be fair. Nah! Ah! <laughs> <laughs> oh, that was great. Was it was it sweet to see Mbappe miss that penalty, Bryce? Did it make you did it make you smile a little bit? Not at all. I felt very sad for him to be honest. He's he's still a very very young player and one of the best in the world. And he seems to be in a bit of a precious time, especially with his career um, at PSG. You know, in contention and doesn't know what's going to happen there. So he he, look, he didn't look confident stepping up for it. Um, I think the French were arrogant. Uh, throughout the game and especially in their approach. Um, Rabio is a shambles. Um, I just thought I just thought they were yeah, again, arrogant and just didn't take the Swiss seriously enough. And they and they uh yeah, they copped it in the end. And I've heard that Rabio's mum, who's also his agent, had an altercation with uh I think it was Pogba's Pogba's family and yeah. uh who else? 
Oh no, I think it was it was Pogba's. Yeah, Pogba's mum. I, th- yeah. I think maybe Griezmann's family was in there as well. But yeah, you yeah, right. Yeah, so like bizarre. Yeah, bizarre situation there. But I just thought he was a shambles. Um, yeah. In what, in what way though? Like shambles? How? Just it was spraying the ball everywhere. Place. I think wasn't he's, playing yes. well. He's defensively, I thought he was extremely poor. He had one really good strike on goal, um, but I just thought he was all over the shop and has been very poor throughout this tournament. France never really hit their stride in this tournament. Um, I think a lot of people tipped them to be favourites, rightly so, with their squad. But I think Deschamps really tactically got it wrong with his formations. I think it didn't look like he got the best out of his team, obviously, with the talent he's got at his disposal. None of the attacking... I think Benzema was great. I think he'd be the shiny light out of the tournament. But Benzema never hit his straps. Kante wasn't his usual self. It just it, nothing clicked for them. And it has to be Deschamps who... You know, the buck stops with him. Mm. Interesting, man. What did you think of uh, Benzema's goal, Alex? The one where he sort of dragged it back with his... The ball was kind of behind him and he some, somehow he got that ball that? in front of him and then picked the keeper. I think he's. I think it was a tad lucky. I mean, he stuck his leg out and it looked better than I think what what it was. Um, so do, do, you think, do you think it wasn't, it did. It wasn't intentional in a way? Not it, where in, looking, yeah. to an to an extent it was intentional intentional because he was trying to get the ball obviously but I don't yeah. think I think he just worked out a lot better than yeah. probably what he'd had, he'd intended he, he was probably hoping it ricochet off someone and then maybe drop to someone else's feet but fortunately for him it, it landed right in his path I thought that um, what's his name Long Longley yeah centre back yep. he, he was the worst player for me for France yeah. he was poor. I mean, he's nice on the ball, typical Barca centre-back, can pop it around, but I thought defensively he was just weak, just looked like he wasn't in the game at all. Out of position for the first goal, just, yeah, not was good enough. Was he brought up at half-time? On yeah, he the was, night. He was subbed early, yeah. Was he? Yeah, there you go. Yeah. So... How about Pogba's got, goal? I... My days. Yeah, yeah, yeah com- comment on Pogba's got, uh, yeah, Pogba's goal, Alex. Mate, just pure technique. Crazy. So then he Mate, goes around, yeah, hero to zero there. Top bins with one of the best strikes you'll ever see, and then gives up the ball in the midfield in that final mm. minute for the Swiss yeah. to then go on to score. So, mm-hmm. yeah, funny game. But, yeah, I just – how good are the Swiss to come back? I just – I doubted them so heavily at the start of the tournament. They're just there to make up numbers and, you know, bore people to death. They've been great. They, they play some really nice football, I think. Definitely. And how good was Chaka that really game? Yep. Chaka yeah, very good. Yeah. Hair. Just seems like a new man because he's been, I mean, such a much maligned player at Arsenal, but he's been instrumental for the Swiss. And I think last night, the best performance I've ever seen him him make, yeah. Because he was high on coke. <laughs> right. I saw that. All right. yeah. I saw that, yeah. Yeah, nice. Bog was, was a funny one, eh? Before extra time, yeah. Pogba, Pogba, I don't know, we've talked about this in the past, but like, you know, scores a weldy like that, but then people still are unhappy with him broadly and are left wanting with Pogba, it seems. I mean, he literally can't do anything right. He's damned if he does and he's damned if he doesn't sort of thing, I feel. But um, yeah, France are out. It really opens up the tournament. Um, Italy are probably favourites for me now, but yeah, the French who boast one of the best squads in the tournament for sure. Shock result, but it's so good for the tournament, I think, now. And um, 
yeah, I have to wait and see how that pans out. The other game, um, obviously Croatia three, Spain five. Go on, Bryce, sum this one, sum this one up for us. That is the best uh, football match in a major tournament I've ever watched. Yep, it was Ridiculous. it had everything. It was wide. The momentum swung so heavily at times, and you you just gotta you gotta give credit to Croatia for their <laughs> bullishness and just not giving up there, despite. You know, players like Rakitic aren't in that squad anymore. You got Modric is getting on in his career. You had no Perisic, and they still managed to find that extra gear and crack on and and equalise when they looked absolutely doomed at three-one down. I mean, that own goal to open their account was probably the worst own goal you'll ever see. I think it was the first, like the furthest yep. distance to score an own goal in a major tournament. The back pass, yeah, the, the back keep, pass. Keep ahead um, of me there. Yeah, and. I think the keeper had a fantastic game in response to his credit. I thought he was fantastic. A couple of really key saves, including in extra early in um, extra time as well. He put up an awesome save. So thought like that reaction from him was immense. Uh, seeing Busquets just boss at midfield as well was like a flashback to the World Cup that they won in uh, South Africa. It was, it was unreal. And then Marata's goal as well. He's copped serious abuse um, online to his family as well, which has been quite disgusting, obviously. And, Luis Enrique, the coach, came out and you know kind of criticised everyone doing that. There should be charges laid, but what a what a way to respond! I thought he was fantastic throughout the game and his hold up play, um, and that strike, just great touch, technique, left foot volley, just perfection. And Spain were really good to watch. Yeah, amazing game. I'm so glad I stayed up for that because that was brilliant. What game did you like more out of the two, Alex? The Croatia Spain or the France uh, the France game? Um, I think probably the Swiss knocking the, the French out was a bigger scalp, I think, wasn't it? So a bigger upset. So that's probably why I enjoyed it more. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. But anyway, on to England. Yeah. What a night. <laughs> amazing, amazing game. Well, amazing games on Monday night, but obviously last night. European time. Tuesday, England 2, Germany 0, Sweden 1, Ukraine 2. So two big results there. Obviously, Ukraine, 121st minute winner, I believe it was, over Sweden to knock the Swedes out. But England, as I mentioned at the start of the pod, they got the wood over Germany, which uh, for every English fan out there, they know the history, recent history, modern history anyway. Uh, and seem to fear the uh, Germans in any sort of major tournament. But Granty, go on, sum up your feeling for us, mate. Being the Englishman on the panel, how did you feel watching the game this morning? It's just not words, mate. It's, just, it's once in a lifetime, once in a lifetime stuff, you know. Yeah. I'm just honest, lost for words. No, um, right, nah, it was just, it so well, didn't it? It was, they did. I, I think, well, Bryce, you messaged us, didn't you, in the night? and. I couldn't agree more that England in the first 10 minutes were all over the shop. Like, looked nervous, looks like they didn't know what they got themselves in for. Yeah. They obviously changed formation. They played three at the back. So, Walker, Stones and Maguire. I thought Maguire fitted in really well, actually. Yeah, the left-hand side very... as well, which was surprising. Uh, I would have thought Stones he's would have played, he's played on the side, yeah. Uh, I, I, he's played on the left for, for United all season. Okay. Yeah. Next to Lindelof, All right. and um, so I, I was expecting him to stay on the left. I still mm. think Carl Walker's 
I'm not entirely convinced by his performances. He just, I don't know, defensively, he makes up for what he lacks in attack, I think, or or his um, ability on the ball. Stones is the middleman because he's more the ball player. He can ping it left, ping it right, and he's he's top class in my eyes, John Stones. Um, Yeah, I think Jack Grealish coming on really, really helped give him that boost. I thought the Germans actually lined up really well and were patient defensively, look to hit him on the count, England on the counter. And you saw in the first half, especially in that first 10 minutes when Declan Rice gave the free kick away on the edge of the box, like England was scrambling a few times, trying to control them on the counter. Werner's obviously was that got a that threat. Which one? Declan Rice, that one was, no, he, was, he seemed to be the last man. Mm, I, I, Luke Shaw was, yeah. yeah, Luke Shaw, I think, was uh, was covering him, but for me, the the Philip, the Calvin Phillips tackle in the second half on oh my Tony god, Coles, yeah, you saw one in the Sweden game. I know yeah. it was they were completely Ampadu different, getting but, sent off, but yeah, nowhere near as bad yeah. as that one. I wouldn't have thought. Yeah, yeah, I thought that um, you know he was a uh, pretty lucky to only receive a yellow because you've seen VR mm. turn them over in the past, and they did literally uh, <laughs> hours later. So. Yeah, so, I mean, but all in all, like I said, Grealish coming on, it was great to see Harry Kane get a goal. Um, but you could just see that once they scored, it was going to open up because Germany then had to send, push people forward and then England obviously getting the killer blow late on with Harry Kane. Was the icing on the cake? Although Muller did have a good chance one-on-one to uh, to level it after Sterling almost went from absolute yeah, hero to zero. Yeah. Which was yeah. crazy. And of all all the people you would have expected to put it away, you would have banked your money on him. And I actually really like Thomas Moore. I think he's a very good player and he's a likable character. But... Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, that... I just thought that opening 10 minutes, it seemed like they weren't ready for the occasion. But it's amazing what I've seen so many times in this tournament. How you start is not dictating how the rest of the game pans out. It's usually... You know, coaches usually you have to have a fast start. We have to start with intent. But I feel like in this tournament, it's kind of gone out the window. I think the Dutch started really well, got done. Wales started really well, got done. And England started poorly. Um, and then they, they came back out on top. I think they were very patient with their build-up. And I think Gareth Southgate's got to got a lot of credit for the way he approached this game. He didn't start with any attacking midfielders of Foden, Grealish or Mount. And he had a bit more of a defensive lineup with Declan Rice there and, um, and William Calvin Phillips, rather. And he just soaked it up, soaked up that pressure. And when the time came, uh, unleashed Jack Grealish to much fanfare. That I've never, the crowd was, you could see the cameras and stuff were shaking when Grealish came on the pitch, such as the applause um, for him. And he just, I think he just was that spark when they needed it. Germany were, you know, a bit tired and they thought like they should have been should have scored by then and they didn't and Grealish with an absolutely fantastic cross to uh, Harry Kane to finish the game off but I've got to say besides that goal Harry Kane it, it keeps happening he that was a really especially first half when England started to get a bit of flow going I thought he was he was nowhere to be seen so I don't know if there's a niggle or there's something going on he just really doesn't seem himself and that's been three every game now I've noticed yeah I mean what he barely touched the ball um 
what was I think he had 11 touches of the ball the whole game or something, but he touched the ball once in the first 28 minutes or there was some yeah. crazy stats. So he wasn't involved and that it may be But it's good to see him score, I guess. Like, I mean, at the end of the day, that's what he'll be judged on. So yeah. scoring in a critical moment, who cares? Yeah, but I, yeah, it makes you wonder how he would be, what the backlash may be if he didn't score. Yeah. But yeah, everyone, true. everyone was super stoked to obviously um, yeah. see him score. What did you think of the team selection, Alex? Did, how, how did, obviously, we got the win, so... Um, Gareth Southgate's done well, but Saka on the left, it seems like the general consensus is that Southgate's picking, for this game at least, kind of picked the team to combat uh, the Germans. Um, but yeah, how did you see the team that lined up? Yeah, look, I think one thing is we've seen throughout the tournament is that Southgate, he, he trusts everyone in his squad. Um, he's got the Sancho. backing. <laughs> Yeah, but but you say that like I'm only Sancho, kidding. It's just because he's got no minutes. That's all. Yeah, I know, but that's it. And at the end of the day, someone's going to miss out, and it comes down to his decision. And if you look at England's bench yesterday, it's absolutely Crazy. it's frightening. <laughs> you got so much pace. You got Rashford, Foden, Sancho, Grealish. It's just Mount. a joke, man. Mason <laughs> James, it's honest, mate. It is it's it's ridiculous. So, I think Bryce, was it you that just said that you know they were shaping up a bit more defensively and and whatnot? Yeah, I think I think it it was that, but they they were just really patient. I thought England and the way they played, and you yeah. like Harry Kane. Yeah, he's not really involved much, but Germany played quite deep, so they had a lot of men around him, and with England switching the ball from left to right quite consistently. It was always going to be hard for Harry Kane to link up when there was a lot of bodies in the middle of the pitch and England were trying to get down the flanks, which is where they had more numbers because they were playing with the centre-backs, then the wing-backs and the wingers. Um, so you didn't see much penetration through the, the midfield line of Germany because they were so deep and there wasn't a lot of room for Harry Kane to get on the ball, which I, you know, which I noticed. Um, is he kind of like a bit of a Giroud in. role almost Kane you know, yeah you saw I think he's just trying to, he's just trying to link up where he can yeah. stretch stretch them he does a job defensively like I've touched on in previous pods he, he always sends them the, the right way you know tries not to let him switch the ball as often as he can but yeah it's uh, it tough for him because everyone's going to get on his back because um, he's not it's scoring lots role, of goals, but like the role said, he's been given, yeah, I think it is. Yeah, yeah okay. I think it is. And people have just got to look past it rather than get worked up about how he's not scoring all these other goals. Because at the end of the day, they're winning every, they're winning all the games bar one, yeah. and, not, and they've not conceded, not conceded a goal. Yeah. What is? It? I think it's nine games in a row, eight or nine games in a row, England haven't conceded now, which is like insane. Yeah. They haven't conceded a goal all tournament. You know, three wins and a draw now. So. so um, Quick word on Jordan Pickford, Bryce. I thought mm. he played super commanding in the box. You know, everything he came for, he got. Seems to be a great communication between him and the, the centre-backs for sure. But, um, yeah, how, how have you seen him? Yeah, I just game? think he's a bit of a... Not just because he plays at Everton, just the way he, he just seems like a bit of a child on the pitch in those final couple of minutes. Like he grabbed the ball with all these theatrics jumping on the ground. Too much fist pumping when there's still time to go. I don't know. I just I just don't like how he goes about it. But his distribution is fantastic. 
with the ball at his feet. He's probably one of the best in the world now. And obviously against Neuer, who's another fantastic distributor of the ball and kind of, you know, pioneered that uh, kind of goalkeeping, I suppose, in the modern era of coming out of your box a lot more and distributing the ball and being better with your feet. Yeah, his distribution was fantastic and commanding. I just don't like him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, fair enough. Very, but... He's very animated. So maybe it's just passion and I just... I just don't like him because he plays for Everton, maybe. But I don't know. Yeah, he's a very good... He's, he's proved a lot of people wrong, I'd say, this tournament. There was a lot of question marks yeah. over whether he should him still be Henderson. number one. Yep. Yeah. Um, so I think he has proven people wrong so far. But um, he's had a fantastic defence in front of him as well. Will it be an unchanged team in the quarterfinals, Bryce, do you think? Ukraine's a very different kind of um, opposition for them and I... What a draw. How's that getting Ukraine at, at this stage? That's really good for them. So I think um, I think they should be England now after beating Germany. I reckon it's one of their biggest scalps in recent recent memory for England at a major tournament, obviously. So I think they should be up there with Italy as the two favourites, to be honest now. Yep, for sure. All right, before we move on to maybe previewing the quarterfinals, let's just wrap up the Sweden-Ukraine game. As I mentioned, there was a 120th minute winner to... Uh, Dovbik, who was a, a late inclusion into the into yeah. the Ukrainian squad, from what I read, and you know, you know, if the tournament had happened last year, he was nowhere to be seen. He was a bit of a bolter. I think he only made his debut for the national team in uh, <laughs> in March or so. But yeah, um, <laughs> he dis- gradually disappears out of frame <laughs> for a second. Um, but yeah, Sweden one, Ukraine two. Harsh on Sweden, given there was that red card. Maybe let's you know have a discussion around this issue that is you know kind of growing i think just in terms mm. of uh you know players following through and there's incidental contact all the time but it seems like obviously it was reckless and looked like a leg breaker but you know he went for the ball and kicked the ball but maybe alex i'll come to you what, what did you make of the red card first up uh in the sweden game danielson was was sent off um yeah, in that sort of incidental contact way. Yeah. It, it, look, there was no malice involved and it was unintentional and whatnot, but he's got to go. Yeah. So he's got to go. He's got to go. Even So there was lots, you know, prominent figures on Twitter, Gary Lineker and the like, saying it shouldn't have been a red card. And, you know, it was, it was initially yeah. given a yellow and then VAR overturned it and turned it into a straight red. Um, you know, what do you, what do you tell... The big question is, what do you tell kids or like, how do you combat that happening again? Or how, how do you change the way the game is played in that sense? Look, I think it ultimately it comes down to VAR and at normal speed, it doesn't look that bad. And the referee sees the incident and doesn't think it's that bad. And if we didn't have VAR, then no one would have really complained until they saw the replay that uh, maybe it should have been a red. But because we have VR and we get to slow it down and we watch it back a thousand times slower than what it was in real life, it looks so much worse. Yeah. And it looks reckless and it looks untimed. And even though he's kicked it and he's only cleared the ball, he still followed through. Um, yeah. <laughs> when you're talking about young kids and that, you, my dad always said to me, like, if you go into a tackle half-hearted, you'll come off worse. So for me, 
you know, when you're playing football, you should always go in hard. Otherwise, you're going to come off pretty sore. But sometimes I go in hard now and end up getting a whack on the shin or or the foot or whatever. And yeah, <laughs> is there VAR in, in uh, the Asian Champions League? Is that is it popping up in your games now? Uh, no, the VAR isn't. Although there was an incident the other night. Um, one of our one of the foreign lads, Mario, he uh, he got in behind the defence and had a shot on goal, missed, and their defender came sliding in and caught his ankle. And I thought he broke his leg, to be honest with you. And the referee didn't didn't pick it, and it was the linesman who said, um, you know, he caught him after the ball had been played, and then they went back and gave the penalty. So. If they had gone to VAR, yeah. I don't know whether they would have given it, but you know the linesman thought it was, and that's the decision that that went went ahead. Mm. All right, Bryce, what do you reckon? I think it was card? you. It was reckless. It's a reckless. If you put your foot that high for a tackle, I think it has to be reckless. He did very well to get the get any of the ball, um, and the timing was you know very slightly off. And obviously the VAR yes. puts on the microscope, but just the height of his tackle is what puts him in danger of getting a card like that. I think what the pundits were disputing is whether it's a tackle or not. I think in their eyes, they're not seeing it as a tackle. They're just seeing it as him clearing the ball and then coming into contact with with the Ukrainian. Yeah, so it's like the the percentage of it's the other player being in the way of him clearing the ball or is it him getting the player yeah that's a good point and yeah. that yeah. makes it really interesting that kind of perspective because when you slow it down and you're thinking about it it Stuck looks like he's yeah. tackling him and it's his fault but it could very well like he's going to clear the ball he could have slid first or made the movement yeah. a millisecond before him and then not been able to pull out when he notices he's running at that trajectory yeah it's a tough one but when i saw it slow i was like 100 red yeah obviously and i i agree in slow-mo it looks terrible but it's just I don't know, because it wasn't a tackle, right? It wasn't a 50-50 ball, or it was, but he clearly got there beforehand and it was sort of, he just kicked the ball at the end of the day, but there's no yeah. perfect rule. And I guess they're, they're harsh because you don't want leg breakers. And that was had a leg breaker action with sort of how yeah. it bent the knee uh, in the opposite direction. So that was the game changer. Sweden, uh, yeah, that red card happened in the 99th minute. So it happened in extra time. And then, as I mentioned, Ukraine went on to... Uh, Get the winner, Andrei Shevchenko, Bryce. He's uh, guided his home nation to the to the last eight of a major tournament, which is uh, quite amazing, isn't it? It's it's phenomenal, and just hearing his name again is just like wow, what a legend he was when we were growing up. Too bad he couldn't do it uh, at Istanbul for the penalty spot, but you know, we'll leave that for another time. I just think it's it's a great story for the Ukraine. Um, Obviously, not as not don't have the same resources at their disposal as other countries. So, Sweden, Sweden, another one who kind of probably have done really well this tournament and exceeded expectations. So, I think that was a good matchup for those two. Um, I think Sweden had plenty of chances as well. Forsberg hit the crossbar and he scored as well with another deflection. I think he's been phenomenal this tournament. So, interesting to see if he gets a bigger move away from uh, Leipzig. Um, I think they're a big club already, so maybe it suits him, but. He's been one of the standout players in the tournament so far, I'd say. For sure. So they were the last 16 games and the quarterfinals are now set. So you've got the Czech Republic 
playing Denmark and the Ukraine playing England. So in, from an English perspective, uh, they have a very favourable draw to get to the final. So they'll either they can get through Ukraine, they'll play Czech Republic or Denmark in the semis. So they uh, those games are coming yeah. up on Sunday morning Australian time, Saturday night over there in Europe. And on Friday uh, night European time, Saturday morning Aussie time, we've got Switzerland v Spain. And the game of the uh, upcoming, the, the game of the best, or well, the best game of the next four is Belgium v Italy. And Italy look like the uh, the favourites now, I would say. Uh, is that fair to say, Bryce? Yeah, I think obviously they've got a tougher draw coming up against Belgium. But if you look at the draw like that, you'd say now England should be the favourites. But Italy on form and how they've been playing have been fantastic. So, yeah, I think with Hazard doesn't look like he can make it. Um, they were saying he needs De Bruyne 10 is days out as well. And De Bruyne is out. That's two of their best players. Um, and two of the best players in the world to take that out of any squad and the team's going to struggle. So hopefully Thorgan Hazard, Eden's brother, can uh, step up again for him on the, on the stage after scoring the round of 16. But yeah, I just think it's it's so great having such a diverse set of teams in the at this stage of the competition, like Czech Republic, Denmark, Ukraine, yeah, Switzerland as well. It's just, it's a lot of countries that are the, are the lesser of the high Europe, traditional European hierarchy. So it just makes it really interesting. I think it's very open and this could be, we could see a major upset in this tournament. What about you, Alex? How, how do you reckon, you know, that side of the draw will play out? Switzerland v Spain, Belgium v Italy. It's, it's definitely the harder side of the draw when you include Belgium and Italy, but even on the other side, everyone, you, you're saying that England are a favourite. Yeah, they probably are, but... Um, Ukraine are going to be no pushovers and look how well Denmark have performed um, this tournament with after everything that's happened. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. And the Swiss, they beat the French, um, play some lovely, attractive football. So, honestly, Stu, I, I don't know who's going to win it. I, I think it's England's best chance, without a doubt. It is yeah. the best chance um, once they get past Ukraine. They, they can definitely go on, but whoever they meet in the in the final, it, it is going to make for one hell of a game. There's no doubt about it. I, and I think Italy will see off Belgium. I've just got a funny feeling. Um, don't hold me to that. But yeah, I, I just think they, they are a lot stronger, especially defensively. And um, with, like you said, De Bruyne being out. Is, yeah. uh, is Big Rom going to step up and, and bag a few? And the yeah. way this tournament's going, we could we say all this, and then it's like, who like Belgium could just buff them, and then we're just, just go back to square one for us. I feel like the tournament's kind of going that way. If you looked at the round of sixteen, it seemed quite straightforward, and who should win, and it really hasn't panned out that way. So I think it's been it's so unpredictable, but that makes for I, fantastic viewing. I think also, I'd, I'll be honest with you. I don't know whether you guys agree. Obviously, there's more games and whatnot, but I don't agree with the third place teams getting through I yeah. think I just think these well, the, four the, teams the, in the, the group the top, the top four out of the six groups that rule you don't like that rule the the, the best third, third place teams yeah yeah, like, yeah what kind of a rule is that I mean Czech Republic are still in it who else finished third did Switzerland finish third or were they second I can't remember but for a team to still be in the competition in the quarterfinal stage after finishing third in the group, mm. 
But has it I made? It, I, I feel like I'd argue it's made it a very exciting, like tournament overall. Like I know it's probably not eth- like epic from a footballing standpoint. It can be, but as a viewer, I think it's really added to the competition because we get into this stage and there's teams that you would have written off or not thought about anymore, and they're making a splash, and it's made it really interesting. So I guess there's two sides to that. Yeah, like, but that's it. If Czech Republic go on to win it, have they been the best team at the tournament? Yeah, you probably not. But they're the European champions, so yeah, like I don't think they will win it. But I think that's. I think it's just been a bit easy, and for for whatever reasons, just to include more games, or hmm. I just I don't know. Uh, money. <laughs> just want. Yeah. I just thought I'd throw it out there. No, no, yeah, it's it's fair probably... play. Yeah, you'd be spewing. It's like with the um right, the A-League, six. A six place side going on and winning the league, you'd be like, you don't deserve that. So it's 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 kind of along those lines. If you need to earn that right a bit, but yeah, I think it's I think it's added to the competition. But yeah, from a footballing standpoint, it's a bit strange, isn't it? I mean, the only way around it is you add more teams and you make the tournament bigger and there's more groups, which you know, no thanks, no yeah. makes it longer. So that's um, what the World Cup's turning into. <laughs> yeah, well, I think what there's 36 teams in the World Cup now. It used to be 24. So yeah. Yeah, anyway, it's been, uh, we've got a fascinating uh, weekend of games coming up. Obviously, there's a couple of days break now. Uh, Granty, just quickly, I just want to get your thoughts on this topic. Bryce and I spoke about golden generations, and we spoke a little bit about, um, you know, this being Belgium's golden generation. And then I kind of posed the question what actually defines a golden generation? Obviously, in Belgium right now. So, this is, you know, this is the defining moment potentially for this Belgium team getting towards the end of one of their sort of last chances to cap their all their talent. Um, and as we mentioned, they're coming up against Italy. But what do you think sort of defines a golden generation in that sense? Like, um, is it a collection? Is it just simply a collection of the world's best players at one time? Or is it, you know, a, a break? Yeah, I think it- a breakout, it, you know, like Australia had a golden generation. As I mentioned, England have had a golden generation 15 years ago, despite having good players the whole time. But yeah, how do you sort of approach that? What do you think defines a golden generation? Yeah, I think it's just basically having a mix mix of players who are probably at the prime, both at club level and international level, all bunched together in in, in one squad. Um. Like you said, England had a golden generation, but did they bring any success? No. So you call it a golden generation, but it doesn't necessarily mean that they're a good team because the English teams who had great names on paper couldn't gel um, and couldn't get the job done. But then you've got the likes of Italy in 2006 who had a, like a golden generation there and... Um, yeah, Germany, Spain, they've probably all been through it. I think that's all it is. I think teams just go circulate players and teams lose form. And Do you think it's used um, too much, Granty? I think it is like, a If bit, you win a World Cup or you win a Euros tournament, it's like you're obviously a golden generation because you've made the most of your chance at that time. Yeah, I think you're probably right, Bryce, to be honest with you. I think it probably is thrown about too much and all right, they were a good team, whoever it is who wins it, but should you be highlighting them as, oh, the best ever or for, for that country? Who's to say? I think in England's circumstance, you can't really label anyone as the golden generation until they win something. Yeah. 
but they still do um, because of the, the players that they had on the park. But yeah, like France, they've got great squad. I think nowadays, I think all the squads are, are pretty good. Uh, even even like looking at Denmark's team, the, the squad, every single player in that team plays at a top club in Europe. Yeah. The same, the same with the Swedes, everyone else, the Swiss, the same. They've all got top players, mate. And I don't think anyone in the competition is weak. Besides, so, he's definitely, yeah, he's, he's, de- he's definitely a hard, hard one to answer for you, Stu. I don't know what led you to t- start talking about that, but no, um, we were, we were just talking about the Belgian game, uh, the Belgium game, and then we. I don't know. I just had the thought before we started recording about okay, well, you know, this is this is widely they've been widely referred to as the golden generation. So what actually is the golden generation? Is it just because they all have great players now for the first time ever? So that was that was kind of the main school of thought. Bunch of superstars. I, I, I honestly think probably now it will probably get referred to as the t- to the teams who do bring success because most countries now are generating so much youth and talent that. I don't think the squads in any country are really going to be that weak. You know, they're always producing good players. All right, there will be years when they don't do as well as other years, but yeah. all in all, like, look at England now. Like Now they've got Southgate in. Every yeah. single year, they're bringing new players on board. Young and, players through, yeah. Yeah, and, and bringing... And, and the other and losing players seem to be doing well. the same. Yeah, and players dropping out. So, yeah, I think that's all it is. I think some countries master reproducing players like Spain and Germany notorious for bringing players through in the past and I think England have slowly adopted that mm. so yeah I yeah. think that's def- definitely you look at their squad and how young some of their key players are now I feel like it wasn't the case in the past I mean besides, Wayne Rooney was obviously a you know an outlier there and always being that young star for them going up especially at his first tournament there used to be a lot of more seasoned veterans in the team. You had to have really proven yourself for years in the Premier League in order to get a look into the England side. But now I yeah, feel like Southgate changed a bit. He's got a much more open mind to those younger players coming through, and I think it'll just pay dividends for them in the future. Because once they become, you know, experienced on the international circuit, when they get to a major tournament together, this group would have spent a lot of time together. Um, I think the future is really bright for English football. Yep, couldn't agree more. Um... Yeah, fascinating topic anyway. Maybe it's just a big hyped up media term, but who knows? Just got, got me thinking. Um, all right. Not as good as Bolter, Stu. That's Fox Sports right there. <laughs> Olympics Bolter. Bolter, I, Bolter. Um, I actually, do you know what I did yesterday? I listened back to our first ever episode of the yeah. Shooting Stars podcast. I listened back to the episode one, season one. But we um we were talking about Bolters back then even. Uh, with in reference to the Australian soccer, uh, the Socceroos squad for the World Cup. Anyway, thought I'd raise the term. Um, all right, boys, let's let's leave the Euros chat there. We are we're a little bit time pressed. It is midnight here. Just quickly, big stories in the Premier League. Tottenham are closing in on appointing Nuno Espirito Santo. That's a thing. Rafa Benitez, Everton, it's on, boys. And he's not. So you got death threats. Yes, and and that's that's the thing, and it's not going down well with uh, people in that area. So that's one to watch, and maybe you know I'm surprised by this, but Patrick Vieira has been appointed manager of Crystal Palace. I don't know if you guys saw that. I did is, not. That is very surprising. Very surprising. Uh, Fernandinho signed on at Man City again. Villa are chasing Emil Smith Rowe, but. Um, 
yeah, I think the big one is just Rafa Benitez to Liverpool, you know, uh, to Everton, sorry, back in Liverpool. It'll be fascinating to see. I, I saw interviews with Everton fans and, you know, they're obviously not stoked about it, but... Um, yeah, if you're Rafa and you see that, you got enough money, you, you know you can get a job somewhere else. You know, why put your family through that? Yeah, it's it's really interesting. It doesn't. Does I'd, I'd be surprised on a personal level if he would take that job, considering how do you feel about what it, he's being achieved. a Liverpool fan? I oh, he he's been an, an amazing ambassador for Liverpool. He helped um, a lot with Hillsborough and donating a lot of money. He's extremely well loved at Liverpool, obviously for what he achieved on the pitch with the Istanbul FA Cup. But I'd have no, I'd have nothing against him if he helped out Everton. They need all the bloody help they can get. They need a winner. Who's one thing that their football clubs, I think it'd be a great appointment for them. Perhaps, mate, I don't know if he's been out of the game too long to make a real impact, but he's a fantastic manager and it'd be a big coup for them. But oh, why would you, if you're Rafa, why would you do it? Why, of all clubs? The love of the game, Bryce. Yeah, but you can do that anywhere. <laughs> you, you'd have, you'd, you could pick a lot more teams that would, that just, would pick him up his gaffer. I just clearly. think Everton, if you get death threats like that to your family, it would just be, it just feels like such an odd odd one to do. But, yeah, I don't know. Maybe I'm being too naive in that, in the how cutthroat and how intense it is over there. You've got to expect that wherever you go and he'll cop on the chin and crack on. But it just seemed odd. Mm. Any final comments, Alex? Agree? Disagree? Um, yeah, I mean, the Manchester clubs are still calling the Scouse bastard. So... <laughs> <laughs> That isn't going to change. Um, but yeah, that's yeah, I agree with that. It is what it, it is. Granted, if you're if you're going to a club and you're getting death threats, how you how do you yeah. feel? Yeah, how would you go about that? Yeah, I, yeah, it's shocking. That is shocking. Mate, oh. you're a diver anyway. How did yeah, that make say you feel? If you want to sign up for Joe Hall and you're copping it. Yeah, I, honestly, I just uh, yeah, it is a little surprising. I can kind of see why he's taking it though. I think he still lives in Liverpool. Yeah, yeah, he, and he probably just feels like he can bring everyone together. <laughs> <laughs> no, he hasn't got a chance. Nah, no chance. I don't think either. It'll be interesting. He's anyway. a he's a magician as well, so yeah. don't forget that. So as we saw. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, boys. Let's leave it there. Um, Thanks so much for your time. Granty, good luck in the, the rematch with Johor tomorrow. Maybe we'll get a recap from you and Shane Larry on our next episode. Uh, Bryce, stay safe in lockdown, mate. Thanks, bud. Get some sleep, mate. You've earned it. Yes, and I'll uh, continue my sleep. But, um, yeah, thanks, everybody, that's still listening. Make sure to watch on YouTube if you fancy. Like and subscribe. We are on Insta and Twitter and yeah, leave us a review. Let us know how we're going. We'll do a call out for questions next time. And um, yeah, we'll put a bit more time into the episode. So we'll get a bit more people or we'll get some fans involved or anyone that wants to send in any questions. But until then, thanks for listening. Here comes Alan Shearer. It's Shearer for you, Gunnar! The way he brought that down was fabulous. Captain Oh! Thank you.